Hey, Tommy. Yeah. I want to grow old with you on this podcast. Oh. The Wedding Singer, coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today, that is Tommy. Never seen The Wedding Singer. Yeah, somehow this like uh, never was on my list of Adam Sandler movies to watch when I was in like middle school, like when, during peak Adam Sandler phase. But I liked it; <laughs> it was a fun one. What a romantic comedy at the age thirteen just didn't appeal to you, Tommy? Shockingly, no. Um, so yeah, wasn't really out there for that uh, at that point. But you know, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's a cute little movie. Uh, it's yeah. not my favorite, and I think we get to see some of the Sandler tropes and the Sandler staples really cement themselves in this movie this is like right before the tipping point where it gets like too much (laughs) yeah yeah which really talks about the 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 timeline of really quality adam sandler stuff and not such high quality adam sandler stuff yeah Uh, this was still when he was willing to be in a romantic comedy and put on a costume and not put on a t-shirt and shorts yeah, like put an effort and like, you know, not just do like a stupid voice and have that be the character. <laughs> yeah. That's the Adam yeah. Sandler character. Um, and we'll talk about Adam Sandler because Adam Sandler, oh, what an American. Gen- he's maybe the most American actor of all time. Definitely up there. <laughs> he's definitely up there for sure. But before we do that, Tommy, did you watch anything this week? Yeah, so uh, speaking of romantic comedies with SNL alums, I watched uh, the Netflix movie You People with Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill uh, over the weekend. Oh. I liked it. It was charming. It was, I mean, it was like kind of similar quality to this, where it's just like a good like Sunday hangover type movie, where like you know you're kind of like in and out of watching it. It has some funny moments. It's not the most amazing movie I've ever seen in my life, but Eddie Murphy gives a good com- uh, comedic performance. He hasn't been in a good movie in a while. I feel like. No, I heard um, my name is. I didn't watch it, but I heard my name is Dolomite. Really good. Yeah, well, other than that, other than that movie and now this, like he has, but he really just hasn't had, been like, in, he hasn't been in anything. Yeah, essentially. So it's just like it was good to see him back in this. And Jonah Hill, obviously, he gives us Jonah Hillness in this, and of course, uh, Julius Dreyfus, um, Elaine herself, is amazing in that movie. So if you want just a nice little fluffy romantic comedy to watch on the weekend, I'd recommend you people. <laughs> yeah, I know Valentine's Day is cuddling coming up, and you need to cuddle under the cou- on the couch with Bay. Oh, is that a dated term? Yeah, that's a dated term. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever the whatever Gen Z is using on TikTok, that's the term I actually use. You need to cuddle <laughs> up under a blanket, watch that movie. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> so. Maybe get a little fire going in the fireplace. All right, that'd be a nice way to spend an evening. But okay, so it's it, what you told me from that. I'm probably not going to watch it. To be completely honest with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like a movie that's like a high must-see, but there are some set pieces that were pretty funny and like made me laugh out loud. Which is all I'm looking for when I'm watching a movie like that. So, it did job. <laughs> so, I watched another Netflix original. It was a documentary. It was called Jim and Andy. 
And it's about Jim Carrey and Andy Kaufman and the behind the scenes footage of Man on the Moon. A movie I've never seen. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Okay, Tommy. Yeah. We can do we can do a little man on the moon. Yeah. But Jim Carrey plays legendary comedian Andy Kaufman. And Jim just had a real connection to Andy as a person. It was one of his heroes growing up. And he went full Andy. He f- went full method actor in this and like left Jim behind. And Jim is narrating it as we're cutting in between the clips. And you're really seeing the story of the set, which is probably more interesting than the movie in and of itself, because it is pretty wild, the things that he would do and how he would treat. Like there's parts of it where Andy Kaufman's family would come down and they were like, it's like I'm talking with Andy. It's like Andy has come down from heaven and graced Jim Carrey's body. And it feels like I'm talking to him. I'm not Mm -hmm. talking to to an actor playing Andy. I am talking to Andy. And like he just had, he got so into that mindset. Mm. It's it's pretty insane. Oh, I'm sure that probably broke him for a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, he said he said it was an interesting experiment of completely leaving yourself, and then when you reopen that door, you get to rediscover. You have to rediscover yourself. He's like, I didn't know what my politics were. I didn't know who I was, and he had to like <laughs> rediscover that journey. Just thought he was Andy at that point. <laughs> yeah, insane. no, and. um it definitely made for some tumultuous moments on set. Highly worth watching, especially if you've seen Man on the Moon. If you're a fan of Jim Carrey, if you're a fan of Andy Kaufman, I would recommend watching it. Spike Jones produced it, and you can tell. Yeah, sounds like a Spike Jones head fuck. Yeah, you know, just keeping <laughs> keeping it on with the her episode, you yeah, know, from last week. That so. was that, and uh, yeah, that was what one of the highlights that I watched this week. And another movie that I watched this week was The Wedding Singer. Julia was about to marry Mr. Wrong. That's grade A, top choice meat. But it's not over. Relax. Till the wedding singer sings. You're the wedding singer. How you doing? I'm Robbie. I'm Julia. Robbie. You're so cute. Adam Sandler. Ooh. Drew Barrymore. <gasps> the Wedding Singer. Uh-oh. You like her. No, I don't. <laughs> I think I'm in love with her. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, February 13th. So, Tommy, do you think there's anything more emasculating than getting left at the altar? Because it's got to be top three. It, it has to be up there. I'm just like, oh, this this just sucks. <laughs> like, fuck. Yeah, so movie kicks off with Adam Sandler being a wedding singer, saving a, we- a bad best man speech done by Steve Buscemi, who's now a wedding singer at the end of the movie. Ooh, love those little, love those little turnaround comebacks. But yeah, yeah, it was okay for me. It was fine. Um, yeah. I didn't love it. it was, it's not terrible, Sandler. Like there are some movies we could put on of Sandler, which we're not going to do just because they're terrible. Mm. But I saw cracks in this movie, and I didn't think it was super great. It was fine. Well, yeah, there there are some parts in this movie where it is like a cliche rom-com. I mean, like, there is very obvious points right here where, like, you know, of course, Drew Barrymore's uh, boyfriend, fiancé, is the biggest douche in the universe, and Adam Sandler isn't, and stuff like that. And, of course, all these other little character moments of just, like, it 
has the structure of a rom-com. But for me, I think like, you know, the chemistry between Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler kind of pulled it through the dretch of like the screenplay, which was kind of a little bit obvious and not that exactly creative. <laughs> yeah, no, the screenplay was not obvious. It was not creative, but it was their chemistry is the best part of this movie. Like they've just bounced off each other. And like, I think in all Adam Sandler's movies, because he always has a, a hot girlfriend, he, you know, he, he knows what he wants to, his image to be amongst the people. Yeah. Um, and he's quite good at it. He's quite good at it. You, you have to tip your cap to him on that. But mm. their their chemistry was they bounced off each other. It, it made sense. It didn't feel like fucking like one of those things where like, you know, I think in one of those later movies, he's dating like Brooklyn Decker or something like some Sports Illustrated model. And it's like Adam Sandler, really? Like that? Oh, no, dude, I don't think dude, that makes sense. Adam, no, I, it makes sense. Adam's because Adam Sandler doesn't give a fuck. Like that's his energy. Um, and you can feel it in most of his movies. Anything that's mm-hmm. like kind of a happy Madison type of feel, you can feel the the lack of giving a fuck and that most of this money went to the actors and to get his friends the highest pay they can possibly get. Mm. Because that's just, that's what Adam Sandler does. That's how he makes his movies. He hooks his buddies up and like, it got to the point where a lot of his movies just became like, oh, I want to go on vacation here. Let's do a movie there. Yeah, that was 2010's Sandler. 2010's Sandler for sure. Because I think there, because Adam Sandler's an interesting case because I think he can be a really good actor. Um, He's fantastic in Punch Drunk Love. And he's terrific yep. in Uncut Gems. Like he should have been nominated for an Academy Award for mm. his performance as Howard Ratner. Yeah, in Uncut Gems. Un- I remember we saw Uncut Gems. That was a great movie experience in a packed theater before it was wide released. Awesome. Very tense and yeah, just anxiety filled. And so this is also like you know when he gives a shit, you can tell he gives a shit. But I feel like this is one where it's a kind of in the middle of him kind of giving a shit. Where like. You know, I, I don't. I think that this is an actual character he's playing right here, like Robbie. It's not just some like stupid little voice he does, and like you know, it has actual like character beats and character emotions and stuff like that of him playing someone that feels somewhat based in reality, compared to like you know Zohan or whatever uh, back in the day, and even Drew Barrymore here. I mean, Drew Barrymore, I think was probably the highlight of this movie. Of like they gave her so much to work with, which is so atypical of like the female lead in that Sandler movie, right? Typically, they're just like. Just look hot, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, they, um, and they they spent a lot of time on her. Like they spent just as much time on her as they did with Robbie, which really helped enhance the relationship and how they were feeling. Yeah, and atypical of Sandler too is that Robbie is like a loser, and like again, that's something that Sandler doesn't really like to portray himself as. Mm. You know, he's always an account man he's head of a business he's always something right like with a smoking hot wife and a family yeah. and in this one he's a wedding singer which is a fine career path to go down but in the world of this movie it's not enough to provide a life and security and stability for a partner mm. for a family um, and that point kind of gets emphasized over and over again when his first wife leaves him at the altar or his fiance leaves him at the altar linda played by angela featherstone who she had that no. 80s haircut that just doesn't do it for me man like i don't know what it is exact exact opposite oh. exact opposite for me <laughs> oh really <laughs> that me. that worked for you yeah that worked for me 
Or was it just her in a Van Halen t-shirt that really did it for you, Tommy? I, I mean, it could be a little column A, a little column B right here, but I don't know. I, I think like it was the Van... So. Knowing you, I think <laughs> it was the Van Halen t-shirt. Probably a little bit. You definitely have owned Van Halen t-shirts in your lifetime. Sh- no, shockingly, I don't have a single Van Halen t-shirt. Never. Had no, it. I didn't say you, but... that you have one currently. I'm saying you definitely have one in, like, high school. No, I don't know. I, I shockingly didn't even back then. Really? Shocked. I, but I, I do have I a Van Halen thought... bumper sticker. <laughs> I think that's worse. <laughs> could be um debatably but you know but back to like drew barrymore and like you know apparently carrie fisher uh did some uncredited uh rewrites on the script of just added and fleshed out um drew barrymore's part and like she just that was her thing she'd be a script doctor for movies hey your your uh woman part is like underwritten bring in carrie fisher and that's what she did here for this movie <laughs> and credit to them for actually going through with that i think that doesn't always happen in these kind of movies where they're just like ah, send it out but i have to imagine they realize like reading the script being like okay this movie's probably gonna flop if we don't add something to this and you know that was the one bright part there were some other funny moments in the movie um i think one of the good scenes to show up here is when they have their first kiss and they're debating the kind of kiss that you want to have on your wedding day. And uh, the friend played by Christine Taylor kind of pushes the, the two of them together. Hi. You forgot your jacket in the limo. Thank you for bringing it back. That's so nice of you. Yeah, it was. Okay. I'll see you later, all right? Have fun today. Hey, wait, wait a second. Maybe... Maybe he can help us. You're the expert on this. We were just having a debate about wedding kisses. I say that it's okay for it to be an open mouth kiss. And I say that it's the type of occasion where people dress up so it's not appropriate. I see. But what do you want to do? I mean, thin, tight mouth and it's over? No. Thin, partially opened, no tongues over. No tongue, please. God, there's got to be a little tongue. Well, maybe a little tongue. Not porno tongue. Church tongue. Church tongue, I like that. <laughs> Church tongue, what, what is that? I don't know how to describe it. Well, show me. Not, not on me. Hey, how about on him? You don't mind, do you? Uh, uh... Come on, just hold still, Julia, go ahead. <laughs> Come on, we're all adults here. I'm going to have to see it if I'm going to make an educated decision. Well, if it's for educational purposes. Good. Okay. All right, you ready? I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. So one thing that that kind of bugs me here, listening to this, in terms of the screenplay, Holly, Julia's cousin, played by Christine Taylor, is like, yeah. oh no, no, kiss him. Don't don't kiss me. And then they go out to the club later where uh Robbie is out with Julia's fiance and he gets all into the thing about him cheating, like discovering that he's a cheater. Um, who Glenn and yeah, and Christine T- Taylor's character is all over him, literally all over him. And I'm like, why wouldn't you two just kiss there if you really wanted to kiss him that badly? Right? Like it just felt like random that that like little scene there happened and it was only put in there 
for her to realize that he was in love with Julia. Because this scene that we just listened to was the scene that they realized that this wasn't just a friendship. There was a real attraction between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a kind of contrived way of getting that around, right? Because, like, who in real life would want to do that? Be like, yeah, sure, I'll kiss my friend before my wedding to show him what my wedding kiss is going to be like. Like, what? Who does that? You know, Glenn, I think, was an okay role. I mean, it was a typical scummy douchebag, whatever, just one note type of thing. But apparently, according to IMDb, uh, the role was written with Jim Carrey in mind. Speaking back to what we were talking about earlier. (laughs) Jim Carrey would have killed it. Yeah, he would have been amazing as like the swarmy douchebag because he's definitely played that type of role before. And like you could have seen it just been a, that movie would have been so much better if we had Jim Carrey as like the shitty boyfriend role. Because <laughs> he just would he would have hammed it up so much. And Matthew Glaive was a uh, one note. Like yeah. I couldn't give a crap about his performance, like totally forgettable. Mm. Where I think the movie would have had more tension and more stakes if like that guy had more character to him. Like I think of a great rom-com wedding crashers mm. bradley cooper is like the cheating scumbag oh wait you've never seen wedding crashers or did you no, have... no 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 that, that, that uh, i saw it like three years ago now so that's <sighs> old news <laughs> oh tommy you should have lied we could have covered wedding crashers dude yeah yeah could have crashed the wedding dude wait yeah. listeners it's a lot of integrity for Tommy to come out and not cover Wedding Crashers because that's that's a classic movie. That's a that's a movie we would want to cover. And mm. if you're a podcaster and you've never seen Wedding Crashers, hit us up. Hit us up. You let us know. I've seen a pod. <laughs> Haven't seen. We'll, a pod. we'll cover it right there. So. <laughs> and yeah, but you know, like he brings so much life. Like you could understand how Rachel McAdams' character in that movie was attracted to him. Where in this one, it, like, they were just such a mishmash of, like, I, I don't even get how they, there was, like, no attraction between the two of them. From the beginning, it was just like, yeah, this guy's a douchebag, and I'm guessing I'm getting married to him. So, like, yeah, <laughs> that's the extent of it. It was just like, like, all right, like, what, do you just marry him for the money? Because that's what every character was saying. <laughs> well, and Jim Carrey would have just brought so much life to that, like, would have probably built a repertoire and a chemistry with Drew Barrymore. I mean, I imagine one of the reasons why he didn't do it, because this is right when they were filming Man on the Moon and he was literally being Andy Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> Nonstop. And, uh, I could imagine him not wanting, not being able to take on much more than just Man on the Moon. Uh, I also would have to guess that uh, Jim Carrey was way out of their budget for that role, <laughs> based on who got cast. <laughs> yeah. And I could see, I could see Jim Carrey not fully respecting sandler not that he's ever said anything publicly but just like the way he brings so much energy and life to his performances and Mm -hmm. sandler like kind of just plays the same guy over and over again but this one you know he robbie is sweet emotional um definitely different in that respect like usually he just plays like man child and he's not really a man child in this which I, i do respect about that that he's not just some atypical man child it's it's a little bit different where like you know he has the traits of one but it's just more so he's just kind of down on his luck and just down the dumps type thing uh so you know typical of like your sandler movies this movie has a lot of cameos from a lot of the typical staple players of uh sandler which one do you think was the best cameo <laughs> that was a great setup tommy because the kevin nealon makes a brief little appearance there alan covert and uh i know your listener are pulling out your phone right now to google who the hell that is He's the guy from Grandma's Boy, and it's just kind of always in the background. Usually has smaller roles in Sandler, 
stuff, yeah. but but he's he plays the best friend in this. Well, that would be a cameo. <laughs> it's a it's a Sandler cameo. It's a cameo of the Sandler crew, right? Well, cameo means more than once. No, once I, under, I, I I understand, but I'm saying it was schematics. <laughs> yeah, schematics. I just meant it more as like guy that probably wouldn't have got this part of Adam Sandler was not the star of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Who who owes his career to Adam Sandler. But he was good and he had that nice emotional moment because like he, you know, introduced to his character and he's talking about all the girls he sleeps with, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, no, I'm miserable, man. I'm lonely. I just want someone to hold me at night. Like that's what his, you know, and for a Sandler movie, that is more than they ever give that guy in any of these movies. So you got to tip your cap to that. But no, 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 no. A lot more pathos. (laughs) A lot more pathos. But no, that is not the best Sandler cameo. The best Sandler cameo is John Lovitz. Yes, it's ladies night and the feeling's right. Yes, it's ladies night. Oh, what a I've never seen it from this perspective before. Is this what I look like? No, 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 you're much better than him. He's ridiculous. Romantic lady, single baby, sophisticated mama. Come on, you disco lady. Save me that mama. Yes, it's ladies that all night. Tacon. Thank you. This is Jimmy Moore saying that ain't no sock in my garage. Okay, take four, everybody. Hey, yeah, Jimmy, that was that was really good, man. Thank you. Hey, no, thank you. For what? For quitting. Or should I thank Linda? Business has tripled. Well, you've just inspired me to hire a DJ. So thank you. Oh. Well, good luck finding a DJ who can move and shake like this. Just, uh, I would say, the best performance of John Lovett's career, without without <laughs> question, without without any question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, that's not saying that much, but I mean, that, his <laughs> oh my god, oh, burn! Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, his mannerisms right there are just like are so fucking hilarious. For at one point, where he's like, "And I will take all the all the credit from your fall. He's in a and free fall. Face, and I'm free fall. all the benefits. Yeah, he's just his and that's face, the last like, time we see him. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. John Lovitz could be such a powerful sex figure, but this movie really just lays it on thick, dude. Bring, brings on the ladies' night. I mean, like, you know, Steve Buscemi's an honorable mention. Uh, Billy Idol, I did like his little cameo. You know, just pure just 80s. So it's like, okay, Billy Idol, we're going to have him in here. <laughs> uh, okay, so pure 80s. I want to talk about that. Um, this movie is so fucking 80s that it annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> like You, you and... didn't like all the needle drops? You didn't like how you... No, like... the needle drops are fine. Uh, yeah. It was it was more the style of everything was so over the top eighties, dude. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the little. It was just like the little scene of the guy at the when they're at the airport and he's running to the airport to get the seat for Julia, and the guy has the flock of seagulls haircuts. And the guy asked him like, "Do you like a flock of seagulls?" 
not as much as you do. And I'm like, 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 I get it. It's in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. We get that. It's in the eighties. And I just, I felt that way throughout the movie. Like, um, there were a Glenn, lot of like, the best... Glenn drives a DeLorean. Yeah. He like, drives a DeLorean. You can't drive best... a, you can't drive a DeLorean in a movie ever again after back to the future. And it works in back to the future. Cause the movie was made when the DeLorean was a hot car. And the joke of the movie is that a DeLorean is like a useless piece of shit. It's so unreliable and it was marketed as this futuristic car and this guy's just driving it. Um, yeah. Well, and like, in this movie, in this movie though, it, that was just like uh, him playing up again that he's just a fucking douchebag where it's just like, yeah, I, I get, I get, I get, I get it. I get it. Still my take. You're not getting me off that position, Tommy. Well, yeah. I mean, and like I the know, hair, I... dude, the hair, like, um, Alan walks in with the uh, with the thriller jacket and the glove, and I was just like, "Oh, I thought that was funny." I don't know, uh, <laughs> just like him trying to play that off. Uh, I, I mean, I, I appreciate the '80s references a little more than you do, but I mean, I, I think the Muslim played decently well. But like, yeah, you know, I did like how like the Neil drops would be like, "Oh, he's going through his goth phase." So, what is he going to be listening to? The Cure, an '80s band, you know. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I, like needle drops were good. Like the 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 soundtrack to this movie was very good, very eighties. My favorite needle drop though was uh, Lexus Arquette, um, who played like you know the weird person in the fucking band that would always oh, just want to sing. I thought, I thought that was Marilyn Manson. I'm not gonna lie. No, no, that's Alexis Arquette, who's uh, David Arquette's uh, sister. Um, but anyways. Uh, whenever they play the Boy George song in this fucking movie, it's just like dying. That was clearly the one song they had in the repertoire. <laughs> oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. But no, my, you know, you say you, like, you appreciate 80s references more. Like, I appreciate when nostalgia is thrown into the movie for the sake f- to enhance the story, not to just, like, be there for the audience to gawk at. And I felt like a lot of the 80s stuff in this movie was just there for the audience to gawk at. It wasn't really there for to enrich the story like the, the there's some were oh, just over overly ridiculous well yeah, yeah i mean obviously i mean they played it up a little bit but i mean like you know th- there were some subtle jokes within it like you know at one point like the wedding planner they meet with says like oh you're gonna be one of those great couples like um donald and ivana burton lonnie woody and mia like all 80s couples that like got divorced within the 80s <laughs> yeah and i didn't know those uh jokes so i was just kind of assuming they were like 80s tv's characters or something like that but yeah i um i i don't know it was just it was a little too much for me it just didn't it didn't feel organic like i think something like stranger things usually does that handles the nostalgia a little better than Mm -hmm. than this did it's a it's everybody's own taste right tommy isn't that the beauty of of opinions yeah yeah Is, is this high cinema Clearly, yeah, high art we're talking about right here. <laughs> I think there's like two Sandler movies that could maybe be considered high art, and it's Punch Drunk Love and Uncut Gems. There's probably another one in there. I mean, I'm uh, forgetting right now. Rain on Me is pretty good. Um, I, people will say click, but that's incorrect. No, no. I mean, I, I I like funny people, but I wouldn't call that high art. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. Do you think that? they will live happily ever after and grow old together. I think so. I mean, I, 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 as far as rom-com goes, it seems like they did kind of just like, you know, understand each other and like complete each other and like, you know, be there for each other supportively in a way that like they did care about each other. You could see it lasting a little bit longer. So, I mean, despite the fact that wine singers aren't as popular as they were back in the eighties, I feel like. 
Yeah, well, wedding singers today make a whole lot more money because they're in much higher demand in terms of yeah. like the amount of bands there are and just like what they can charge. Like bands usually are like eleven to twelve thousand dollars for a wedding. That's insane to think about. Uh, where it's like you know, Adam Sutter's character was making like sixty five dollars, like in a performance <laughs> yeah like... it was because he was like part of a venue he wasn't like part of um a touring band or, or wedding band yeah he wasn't part of like a touring wedding band i am a star i'm a star i'm a star i'm a star i am a big bright shining star tommy who is the star of the wedding singer well, like, obviously, it's, uh, there's two answers here. Um, I'm going to go with Drew Barrymore. I mean, Adam Sandler obviously has given a performance that's comedic, but Drew Barrymore uh, plays the first fully realized uh, woman character in an Adam Sandler movie. And it's a great little performance, great little comedic performance, and like pretty quirky and has personality and like has you know great chemistry with Adam Sandler. And you can see why it works. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Matthew Glaive as Glenn. No, I'm okay. I'm, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. That guy was a brick. <laughs> Oh my yeah. God! Uh, you were shitting on you were shitting on uh, John Lovitz. I'm sh- over here sh- shitting on uh, Matthew Glaive, uh, avid <laughs> fan. <of the> <laughs> Forgettable. <laughs> don't take it. Don't take it personally, dude. You just sucked in the movie. Um, I'm also gonna go with Drew Barrymore though, for real. Um, she just had this sweet light energy that just kind of lit up the screen, mm-hmm. and just her chemistry with Sandler was like off the chain, and I. You just you got to know her character, and it was it was nice to get an understanding of what she values in a relationship, um, and that's really what we get from her across the movie. John mm-hmm. Lovitz is a I already highlighted him, but I also got to just give my boy John Lovitz a shout out there because that was that was the peak of his career, <laughs> right there, fucking ladies' night guy. <laughs> Cause <it's> ladies' night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Tommy, would the wedding singer work as a Muppet adaptation? As far as Adam Sandler movies go, not really. I mean, this isn't as wacky as some of his other movies are, and like are cartoonish. But I would just love to see Muppets in like full on eighties attire. I mean, just eighties Muppet theme party, <laughs> like Kermit with like the ridiculous hair. Yeah, with the fucking like yeah, uh, mullet or whatever, huge mullet. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I, this wouldn't really work. I don't know how well romantic comedies would work in general for Muppet adaptations. Probably not terrific. But I, I, I think there's moments that it could work. Um, as you said, like the '80s, the overabundance of '80s styles in Muppets. I think this movie would have warmed my heart a little bit more. Mm. Oh, the one scene I forgot to mention was the scene where he plays the bar mitzvah. And I think this was the funniest scene of the movie where he puts his, uh, where the fat kid gets rejected from the dance. And mm-hmm. then he sets Julia up to go pick him up to dance. And he just puts his, his hands on her ass, like immediately. <laughs> immediately. And then he gets everybody at the bar mitzvah to put their hands on each other's asses. Uh, <laughs> I thought that I thought that scene that scene made me laugh, but yeah, yeah. Um, oh, also the scene, the first wedding he plays after um, that he gets left at the altar and he just has a meltdown, just depressive meltdown. I mean, that, that was really just a, a great comic moment. I mean, I think that the best friend role in this was I, I thought it was hilarious too. He made me die. Um, what's his name? Um, 
the guy, Alan Cobra. the guy from yes. Gra- the guys from uh, Grandma's Boy. Yeah, yeah, Alan Cobra. I thought that he was good in the best friend role. I thought that was pretty fucking hilarious. So, but yeah. Oh, he he was good, and then the guy from Goodfellas, um, Frankie Severo. Um, oh yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. telling when he's telling Robbie like. You know, your sister and I used to be much more adventurous. And he starts telling him. And I was watching this movie with my friend, and I was just like, I feel like you want to obviously get along well with your, you know, your siblings' um, significant other. But if if it's your sister's husband, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to hear. Like I know it happens, and I don't want to know about it. Yeah, exactly. Just like out of sight, out of mind. Like don't fucking say it. <laughs> and he was just, just like, so oh, he was just like well you know i said i said something to him but i don't know what i said uh he was he was pretty good there mm-hmm. but also robbie a little weird being a guy that's just like i just want to be married that's weird for a guy maybe a little bit yeah. Yeah, i think it's, i think it's a little weird for a guy to just like be that outright wanting to get married but maybe that was different in the 80s than it is today yeah maybe <laughs> That was our quick little rundown of the scenes we missed when I was scrolling through my notes here. But Tommy, give me a review on The Wedding Singer. All right. So this movie came out 25 years ago. Uh, I think that Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore had really good chemistry. Overall, though, the script was kind of cliche here. And for the most part, the chemistry carried it through, but not great. I'm going to give this a three out of five. Yeah, I'm going to give this two out of five. Um, that bad. Was- uh, that's fine. It's two and a half's average. It's just a little below average. Like this, the chemistry didn't carry above the screenplay for me. Kind of forgettable. Like I just watched the movie and I had to like scramble my brain to remember parts of this movie. Um, and just it was in a like the direction felt really flat. Like it, it there was nothing interesting visually really going on. At least it was bright and it wasn't dark. I do appreciate that about the movie that I could see what's going on. Yeah. But, you know, chemistry can only take you so far. And when you kind of have like a half-ass script and not too, too many laughs and a lot of laughs at the expense of the era, it just didn't carry that weight for me. So two out of five, like again, Sunday morning, hungover, it's on, you see it, and you're just kind of like, I want something really easy, shut my brain off. This movie will do the job, but I'd have no interest in revisiting The Wedding Singer. Nice. <laughs> Not bad. So, all right. Fair enough. So, Tommy, any final thoughts? All right. Uh, so, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, you know, you can follow us on uh, social media at Pod. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And, you know, leave us a five-star review at Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out on the show. And next week, we're covering uh, Tootsie, the Dustin Hoffman classic. So uh, getting our 80s on a little bit more. <laughs> oh, we're diving deep into the 80s, baby, with Tootsie. I'm so excited to record that episode. We definitely yeah. didn't do it already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> already in the back. So, But thank you guys for listening. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week.